0: Larry.
1: Hey Vicki. Hello. Hello. You look fantastic.
0: Okay but you don't you don't remember what I used to look like because you don't remember you don't remember that you know me I'm sure or that you met me.
1: I don't remember the 80s so (laughs) (laughs) there's a lot of things I don't remember. Let's see. Let's play the game. See how it goes.
0: So all right so all right so we're jumping right into it. I want to talk about that because I didn't know for sure until today that you're a sober person. I am which is huh? <laughs> <laughs> How long are you sober, Larry? Uh,
1: 33 years. It's unbelievable. It's yeah, but like, this, the same thing is, this is as good as it's gotten. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you'll get everything back, you'll get your family, you'll get your money. No, I'm just not dead. <laughs> I'm just not dead.
0: But that's a pretty good thing. I'll take right? it. I'll take you it know, for now.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Not yeah. being
0: dead is a pretty good thing. So, so what? I know nothing of I know your career. I know nothing of your of that story. What? Okay. I want I want to I want to know it all, but what what was your did you have a bottom? What why did you
1: start? Did I have a bottom? <laughs> you heard. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's I go to High School. Um,
2: okay.
1: Did I have no. Um, <laughs> uh, you mean like the final the uh, the end the end game?
0: Well, hey, well like Obviously you did you did you ever go on stage loaded?
1: Yeah. What's the matter with you? Of course. Of course. What's the what's the point in drinking and doing drugs if you don't? <laughs> okay. To sit around the house? I mean really? Okay, did you miss gigs? Um I never missed a gig, but um I got relieved of my duties <laughs> in Houston. When I was so coked up, I did a 45-minute set in 20 minutes. And I, I'm I came off, and I, I was fantastic. I said, oh, this is wonderful. And I get to the dressing room, and I'm thrilled. I killed. And the owners come back, and it's a Saturday. They have three shows. They have to turn the house over twice. Yeah. And he, and he goes, what are you doing? I said, I killed. He said, you owe me 25 minutes. I said, I'm done. I did the show. <laughs> they they kind of put me on a plane and said, you know, this isn't going to work out. Oh, that was wow. kind of the, right towards the very end of, uh-oh, uh-oh. Okay. So what was
0: the beginning? When did you know, did you, I didn't know I was an addict. So my therapist told me and I, you know, thought she was full of shit, but she totally ruined my buzz. So <laughs> what, so what, when did you, when did you know that you had a problem?
1: Um, there was one night in the middle of the winter. I had a friend of mine who was a cocaine dealer and a friend. Yeah, and a friend. You weren't using him for his drugs or anything. No, 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 She was a, she was a, oh, she a friend, okay. and a friend means they'll, they'll give you an eight ball of cocaine on the house as long as you keep coming back. Um, I know. So she lived in Brooklyn, and yes. I was living on the Upper East Side of Manhattan at the time. And at like three in the morning, I had like $9 to my name. Well, I was making no good living, but I had $9 to my name. And I took a subway in the middle of the night to Brooklyn to her house to do drugs and score and come home. And mm-hmm. I thought, there's something not right here. This is really not not working. That wasn't the bottom, but that was kind of like, oh, something wrong. that was
0: like that was like an awareness that that something maybe was. Okay, so so what year is this approximately when you're figuring this out? Uh
1: late I I got sober in 89. So February of oh. 89. So it's um late 88, somewhere around there.
0: And so at this time, your career is doing very well. And
1: it's starting to not. It's starting to not. How so? Um, I wouldn't show up for auditions. I mean, I never never missed a gig,
2: Hmm. but I
1: wouldn't go to an audition or I would show up completely unprepared. And, you know, when the psychological wheel starts spinning, I said, well, if I come in and I'm all screwed up on drugs or alcohol, if it doesn't go well, it's not my fault.
2: Ah, so I, very I,
1: wise. I, oh, yes. So I give myself a psychological safety net why I didn't get the job uh-huh. or why I didn't get cast in this. Uh-huh. It wasn't my fault. I was drunk.
0: Did that you, rate. you had some big gigs while you were loaded?
1: I did. I did. Um, a lot of, it was all during the stand-up time. Mostly during the, it was during the stand-up time. Um, And it was, all, it was funny because it was all done in a short period of time. It was like from starting to, when, when did you start what what year did you start stand up? 81. Wow, you were early. Okay. I was old. No, no, when, when 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 did you start coming around the clubs?
0: Well, I didn't start coming around until I took Gabe's class in mm-hmm. 80 in 85 and that's when I started doing stand up. But 85. I was late. You know, I uh, well, but I was early for a girl, but I was late.
1: Yeah. Did but, you find when you were doing that in 85 because you know, at that point like it Catchrise Sir Adrian Tuls was kind of the big female comic, rest her soul. And Carol Sis was doing the improv. And uh, Abby Stein, rest her soul. Well, I, can't, I can't believe oh we're my losing. We'll have oh to talk God. about this. It's unbelievable. Um, and it's always the wrong ones. <laughs> the good ones don't die. All the, <laughs> no, they, you know, the pieces <laughs> piece of shit are still rolling around. <laughs> but we this, we're just like losing people, you know? I know um and, and, but as a woman at that time it wasn't that difficult
0: you know what it was for me larry i w- i was an actress first and this right. is this is an interview of you not of me but i'm going to tell this story really quick mm-hmm. to you because you don't know it so i i was in i i was an actress and the Bob Nelson invited me to join the Laughter Company, and mm-hmm. I replaced your Rosie O'Donnell because, as you can tell, Rosie and I are exactly <laughs>
1: right. typecasting. Type <laughs> typecasting,
0: and right. but I didn't know what I was doing. And they said to me, "Don't worry, you know." When it was the group where Eddie Murphy started, and you know it was anyway. They they said, "Don't worry, you know. We we got you. We got your back." Meanwhile, I I didn't know how to do comedy and improv. They said, "Don't worry." we'll lead you through it and i was the only one up there that was improvising because they'd been doing these set bits
2: right. for years
0: and i they would like feed me to the wolves and joan st. ange was the other girl and the she other woman was joan funny and joan is so funny but joan hated me because i because i joan wanted to be the 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 ingenue and i wanted to be the funny and so it just you know it it we got along great off stage but on stage it was like feeding me to the wolf every night. Oh, my God. I used to go from Manhattan to Long Island and cry the whole way back. Anyway, um, then I took Gabe's class to learn how to defend myself. So I wasn't really I, I came into stand up just to learn to defend myself and then had some fun. But, you know, doing it at like uh, what's that club on 30th Street
1: that Rocco had on. Um, uh, good times good times I was the MC oh my, at good times oh my god I remember that's the first place I ever played at oh my god <laughs> but then but
0: I stopped really fast because I ended up being a rock and roll pro- anyway my story is not the okay. point your story is the point yeah, I, have an,
1: I have an ingenue story for you good it's okay has Jimmy Valley been on your show yet
0: you know Jim and I have been battling this out because he said I'm not big enough and I'm like you're yes Jimmy's gonna be on it no he hasn't yet he's gonna oh, be. I did
1: it he's way higher on the food chain than I am <laughs> So you tell him I said he should do it. I love
2: um,
1: him. I did I did some work uh with B Arthur. Oh. And Jimmy had worked on Golden Girls. Right. And so he told me what to expect. So, so anyway, so this is my experience, but also Jim told me it was gonna happen. Okay. Ben, B Arthur hated Betty White. He hated her. Oh wow. He also used to enjoy a cocktail. <laughs> so <laughs> I get to B's house the first time. She lives in uh, Brentwood near the Riviera. Uh, what do you call it? The um, the country club. Yeah. We go to the house and she's there and she's cooking for her dog. So already I liked her. <laughs> and we're, having a, we're getting to know each other and she's fine and She goes, "All right, Larry, I'm gonna make lunch. And here's what's gonna happen, sweetheart. <laughs> what is, is is language? Am I under any language constraints here? Fuck no, no problem. At a girl, at a girl. <laughs> okay, so she goes. Although I
0: heard your Joan Rivers story about in real life, she didn't curse, but. I am not. No,
1: um, <laughs> so, so she goes, I'm going to make lunch. And she said, We're going to have lunch, continue getting to know each other. And during are lunch, you I, drinking I, at this point. It's lunchtime. It's are, you, are you still drinking at this point? Um, No. No. Okay. No, 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 no.
2: Yeah.
1: Um, so we're sitting. She goes, I'm going to have a couple of vodka tonics with lunch. She said, When I had the fourth one, <laughs> i'm gonna bang a glass on the table and i want you to say betty white said, all right fine so we're sitting against you know then one two three she's the fourth one she goes i got betty white she goes that cunt she thinks she's an ingenue if we, she didn't think she was such an ingenue, we'd still be doing older girls. no little miss fucking hot pants and she went off i am telling you in my life wow wow yeah i mean what do you say i'm just going uh, oh, that's interesting. <laughs> what do you I'm, see? You have B. Arthur sitting there telling you Betty White's account.
2: Wow.
0: Yeah, wow, that, was a a, that was a day.
1: That was a day. Good, that's a good story.
0: Um. So, all right.
1: So. Oh, I have another. I have another story. This is really. Oh, give me stories. Jermaine to nothing. I worked on the Espy Awards for about 10 years because, you know, I'm a lesbian. So I've worked on the Espy Awards. Well,
0: you know so much about sports. I <laughs> do.
1: It's scary. I do am you? telling
0: Okay. So, do you?
1: I'm a huge sports fan.
0: Okay. Because
1: I used I to see. play hockey. I, yeah.
0: Oh, okay. Uh, because someone very close to me who is gay is also knows everything about sports. Ooh. So all of that is bullshit. Oh, you can't I, I told you that earlier. Right. Anyway, okay.
1: Right. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I've done no, no, I'm a huge sports fan. Um, So. Every year on the ESPYs, they have this, like most award shows, I have a contrived, heartfelt moment. You know, <laughs> let's let's bring them to tears and some emotional family Americana bullshit. thing. So there's some kid, some 14, 15 year old kid whose name I don't want to give out. But he, anyway, he had, he was, some, they thought he was somewhere on the spectrum. Okay. And he was like the water boy for the football team, his high school football team, Aww. or junior high school, whatever it was. Right. And the last game of the season, he's going to graduate. Yeah. Two coaches <laughs> have a game. And his coach went to the other coach and said, look, if the game's out of hand, we're going to put the kid in, let him score, let him score a touchdown. We're going to put him in a uniform today for the first time. He's Aww. a water boy. You know, he's right. got a lot of It's okay. <laughs> fine. So sure enough, the game's out of hand. They put the kid in. <laughs> It's very touching. It's on film. It's the, and he the other team pretends they're going to try to tackle him. And he runs his head zone. And he's his parents are crying. And his audience shot, <laughs> And so they roll this out at the Espoids. They're giving him a special award. And they show this film. And they explain. And there's not a dry eye in the house. They, ladies and gentlemen. And the kid comes out. Well, apparently nobody checked how well the child spoke. They hadn't actually pre-interviewed him. They also didn't know his... A less than mild case of Tourette's. <laughs> so they hand this kid the award and they say congratulations. It's like fuck me, fuck me, eat me, fuck me, fuck me, and they don't know what to do. They don't know what to do, and I'm standing with the other writers. And this everyone, is
0: on the live ESPYS.
1: Yeah, they, they 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 had a cut. We went to tape delay the next year, um, and everyone backstage is horrified, except of course the writers were having a fine time. <laughs> And one of, the, one of the execs at uh, ESPN is saying, he goes, go on stage, you got to go get him. I said, you get him, it's your network. <laughs> so we had that. Is now, they went to tape next year.
2: Oh
0: my
1: God. Because nobody checked whether this little boy could talk. Oh my Lord. <laughs> it was something to watch. In the, in the Kodak Theater <laughs> sold out, all these big star athletes and this oh kid.
0: Shit. Oh my wonderful. Lord. It was so- wonderful. All right, so we're going to forget this over thing. We're going to come back to it. But by the way, Scott Kranz is on here, and, and Scott, I love you. And Hi, you know, Scott. Scott, Scott, and I worked together at, in a rock club years ago. And I yeah, knew the it. um, the, I ran True Blue on the upper oh side, mm-hmm. and so Scott ran Sound there. But I also knew Scott because I used to do sets at Stand Up New York, and Scott was the bartender oh, right, yeah, there. Yeah, right?
2: Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. So, I love Scott.
0: But but. Scott told me that, you know, not only are you the funniest human, which we know is true, except I'm going to say that you are the funniest. Well, do I have to do like gender fluid, like
1: I don't understand and and say they
0: I don't even know what they means.
1: No, it's very confusing.
0: I was going to say you're the funniest guy and Paula Poundstead is the funniest woman that I know in this planet. But anyway, um, so. Scott said, though, that not only you being the funniest, but also that you really helped him when uh, he was getting sober. And um, nice. it, 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 it. I'm crying because you made me laugh, but I'm also crying because it really moves me that you did that. So I, I do want to get back to that. So, okay. Go ahead. so when when did you start using Larry? And what what was your drug of
1: choice? Uh, well, my drug of choice is whatever you happen to have. <laughs> <laughs> if you had it; it was mine. Um, I, I, I love Southern Comfort and cocaine. I thought it was like, you know, the breakfast of champions. <laughs> Wonderful combo. That was a, that was because the thing is, I don't like the taste of alcohol. I never did. Me either. It's disgusting. But Southern Comfort is very sugary. It's like a popsicle. You could freeze the thing. <laughs> so it didn't bother me that much.
2: <laughs> mm-hmm. And
1: because it had such a sugar kick, by the third one I could feel the train pulling to the crazy station. It was how one,
0: how two, did you uh, how did you drink it?
1: Straight. 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 Not yeah. even rocks sometimes wow. it wow. depends how it depends how desperately i needed it
0: <laughs> so okay so so and w- do you remember like i remember my first drink do you remember your first drink
1: no no i remember my first line of cocaine
0: you do and did, did, was that life changing
1: not the first one no it but but you know by the 11000 it was quite <laughs> interesting. um i a friend of mine we went to um so that sounds like a bad name drop, but we went to Studio 54 late one night after the- Hey, podcast. yeah. Back in the day, so, okay. and she had some blow on, and I, and, you know, she said, she said, you want to do some blow and I said, I'd never done done any. You went with who? I missed who you went with. A friend of mine who works with, uh, oh. oh, I thought
0: you were dropping a name. Where, I'm waiting no, no. for the name drop. Okay. Studio oh, 54. Studio 54, was, the 54 was the drop.
1: Okay. I could give you other drops when we're off the air. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> because Daddy <laughs> doesn't want to have any problems. <laughs>
0: Too late. Well, I guess B's already dead, so we don't yeah, have B's to worry
1: dead. about ben that. Okay. Um, so I did. So I we, we went into a little back room and I did a couple of lines. It didn't really do anything. Mm-hmm. But the second or third time, I started getting the kick of it. You know, I tell people proudly, I used to say proudly, <laughs> that I sort of blow off the toilet in Studio 54. Well, who and I hasn't? also, no. I sort of blow off the guy sitting on the toilet in Studio 54. No, <laughs> I'm no. Sorry. I was I was just setting you up. I was getting there. I was getting there. <laughs> that was that was the start of it. Okay. Yeah.
0: So so this that's already early,
1: you,
0: uh, late eight. 70s was for me cocaine. you started in the
1: early eighties.
0: Okay, so you had you were also just starting stand up at the same time.
1: Right. I was actually technically what you'd say was like a nice Jewish boy from Long Island. Never did anything wrong, never drank, never did anything. I'm in the city on my own. I quit my job. I'm doing stand-up now. And all of a sudden, it's a very different world than I knew. In a lot of ways, I was...
0: Were you making enough money right away to quit your job and live in the city? I put a little
1: money away, and I, Mm I caught a very odd break. About seven or eight months after I started, this guy named Flip Connell, who I owe a lot to. Flip was scouting for HBO for Young Comedian Special. Oh, Yeah. And I don't been. I've literally been in the business six months, maybe seven, barely getting on stage. You know, I was the new kid on. And he saw something. Wow. And he booked me on the show. Wow. And it was you know, those so it was, were huge back in the day. Yeah, I mean, I it mean, was,
0: it was Sam Kinison. It was Hal Roseanne, It was Bob Nelson. Was on the one with them. I mean, that broke a lot. They
1: broke a lot of comics. I it. was on the one with Stephen Wright. Oh my god. And Schmack <gasps> and Valley, Jimmy Valley. Oh my George. god!
0: Yeah, Yeah, yeah.
1: And Michael McDonald. I mean, oh. it, you know, some, and Alan King was the host. Who wow. I it, was, it was a big deal. Wow. And I didn't really know what I was doing. I had um a very little bit of material. Like
0: how, I had, how much did you had? You had your was it five? Did you get five on that You got
1: to do six. They're going to narrow. It. I think I, you had to prepare six. They they edit it down to four and a half or whatever. Right. But I had we filmed two back in you know, there two in the same night and they edit them together. I did very well. I had good sets. Um, and all of a sudden, I did started- Did you
2: do crowd
0: work when you did- uh, No, I'll tell you how no. that started. Okay. I will tell you how that
1: started. Um, and if this is before the days of Roseanne- and By the guys,
0: way, Leland Sklar, who I was talking to you about before, is on here. And he said, this is great. Leland. Thank you. Hello,
1: Leland. <laughs> <laughs> okay, sorry to ruin your story. Um, so in those days, it's before they gave sitcoms, before Roseanne and stuff. She basically got on the road. You know, that you, you did a TV gig and suddenly I'm booked headlining clubs around the country. Wow. I have six months of experience and nine Wait, minutes. how
0: much? I was going to say how much
2: material. And nine
1: minutes. <laughs> I don't know anything. <laughs> I, and all of a sudden you have to do 45. But well, what am I going to do for 40 minutes? No, come on. You're really getting headlining
0: gigs and you don't have a 45 minute set? I,
1: I, I finally put together about 20. No, I did not. And I figured I better learn. So I'm, I'm starting to fill time spritzing. Just talk
2: uh, to an audience.
1: Now, fortunately, and I'm, I am not. You're good,
0: fortunately, you're brilliant. At I was it.
1: really good at it. I was That's really, right. really good at it. <laughs> yes, you are. And I mean, I, I'm, I have like no self esteem whatsoever. <laughs> However, I was good at that. I was yes. really good at that. Yes. So I could talk to some, and not just the usual, where are you from? What do you do? I could really craft a conversation. Yes. And in my heyday, when I tell my friend, in my heyday, I could talk to literally 300 different people in the audience. Remember everything, everybody, and tie it Stop. All together. Stop! Wait, to wait a minute. You're, and
0: you're drinking and using it this not time. Not yet. Not yet. Okay.
1: Not okay. not heavily. Not heavily. Okay. Okay. So I'm learning, and as this goes on, I'd start writing on stage. I'd stumble into something. You know, yeah. you talk to somebody. Did
0: you Did you tape your sets? How would you remember what you came upon?
1: I carry a little pad in my almost. It became almost like a neurotic. Um, superstition but I had like a little pad and paper and I'd stop and say wait that's that's going to be something and I would stop you know it's like yeah you know it's like it's funny because in those days like one of my best friends to this day is Rita Rudner and oh, Rita, I love Frida. she's brilliant and the most disciplined performer I've ever seen and, really? mm-hmm. and you know she'd come to the club every night before she went is this funny is this funny is this and she'd be sitting at the bar writing new jokes before she went on. Wow. And if i come off, she'd say, that thing you said, write that down. Write wow. that down. Wow. Okay. And she said, work on that.
2: Wow.
1: Mm. Brilliant. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because Rita's, boy, is Rita fantastic.
0: I, well, she, she was one of my favorites from the early days. So I haven't seen her to perform in a long
1: time. I would love to. Oh, she does a lot of, um, a lot of private corporate stuff, a lot of benefits. Mm. She does a lot of acting and playwriting with her husband, Mark you know, they've had a great career, punching up movies and selling. You know, enormously successful and fantastic. She was always wildly funny, and she and was she was a pioneer for for women. She was, men. yeah, she was because Rita would come in. You know, these clubs, they're seedy. They're not they're not dirty, but I mean, they're clubs. They're bars, and she'd come in in a fucking ball gown because that's what <laughs> was jewelry in a gown, and do her and my mother, and everyone's gone. Well, where's the broad who's farting? And we go, oh, no, no, this is Rita. This is different. And she's just true to herself the whole time.
0: Well, that's, Scott just said you were great at guessing people's jobs. What's that about? How did you do that?
1: You know, I don't know. (laughs) Really, Scott, you know? That's what he's saying. I don't know. I, I, I was good at it. I don't know. I would look at them, what they were wearing, who they were with, where they were from, and what their posture was like. So let's see you, see, you see a couple, middle-aged white <laughs> couple, right? He's a little balding. Okay, fine. So he's not, he's not doing something, you know, he's pale. So he's not doing anything outdoors. We know that. <laughs> she's doing most of the talking, which means he's married for a long time. <laughs> right, right? So she's, and then you see how he's sitting like this. So now he has some kind of a desk job. <laughs> if, if the couple, if you see them together, if one of them is much better looking than the other. The ugly one has a good job and money. <laughs> and you start piecing it together. I, I just think, yeah, you figure it's that
0: brilliant. out. You figure so, it out. Okay, so how, so do my father was a master of ceremonies in the Catskills.
1: I know. I, do you know that? Yes, and I'm, I, I I was, the whole Tumla thing, the whole MC, I, I we used to go to the Homoac Lodge. Oh, my God. Of course, we used to play
0: you against in, in volleyball.
1: Yes, my grandparents used to go to the Homoac for vacation. Uh-huh. And i you know, the Homoac, it was be nice, a Homowack tradition. <laughs> the owner, Mrs. Blickstein, a kind of the end of the moon. Awful. And they had such a bad design technique. The emerald wing, the carpet was red. And you'd say, <laughs> Mrs. Blickstein, this is not happening. The guy who ran, oh, I don't know how how I'm getting into this. There was a guy who ran like the gift shop named Uncle Howie. Uncle Howie must have been 100 years old back then and had a (laughs) stutter. And he'd come into the cafeteria every day into the little, you know, for lunch. Right. And he always The dining room.
0: The dining
1: room, room, sorry. The dining room. (laughs) And he would always order sponge cake for dessert every single day. And being the horrible people we were, you know, we, he'd say, "Uncle Havre, I'd like some." E- he couldn't get sponge cake out of his mouth. So all this time I'm working there, it's like a waiter at Christmas, and you hear all the other waiters <bullshit> going, "Oh my
2: god!" He's dead. Oh my- it doesn't
1: matter. But that-
0: did you so did you? So I grew up watching the, those comics. So as a kid, are you watching those comics? Are you watching those Borschtbell yes. comics?
1: Oh my god, tell me if I'm wrong. Was Malzi Lawrence not one of the funniest <laughs> men who ever lived? The funniest
0: Malzi. There was nobody funnier
1: in the Catskills than Malzi. Yep, I, he was interviewed once, and um, it could have been at the Friars. I don't know. He was interviewed, and somebody and he said, Someone came up to me and said, Malzi, how come you're not more successful? And he said, Well. I've got a house in New York, I've got a house in Florida, I've got a boat, I put two kids through college, I think I'm pretty successful. Good for him. And good for him. Good for him. He wasn't looking to be the billionaire with the plane. He had the life right. he wanted. Right. And funny as the day is long. Oh my God, a comedian's comedian. I mean, everyone
0: would come yes. in, you know, in the cast cause everyone would come into the back of the room. Where was
1: your dad, where did your dad MC? So he was at
0: a place called the Plaza First. You're too young. Was, that was in South Fallsburg, then in the El Dorado. But we were at Green Acres in Loch Sheldrake for the majority of the time. Lock Sheldrake, Brown's. Browns, right, right down Middle the road. Yes. Yeah, I know what it is. Right down the road. So my father introduced everybody. So that was that was growing up with that. I mean, we grew up with that. That was that was comedy. You know, you talk right. about Alan King. Alan King was like God yeah. back then, right? Um, but you know. Freddie Roman and and Jack and Mason and Dick Capri the whole Dick thing. Capri you talked about Dick Lloyd you you took comedy with Dick I Lord, I right I did Dick I mean you know all of these people were just so all right when did you so Corbett did you...
2: Monica do you uh, remember Corbett Corbett
0: I loved Corbett Monica London Lee do you remember <laughs> London Lee
1: <laughs> poor little rich kid
0: <laughs> poor little rich kid so so did so you loved it you you had to have loved you had to be funny when you were a little kid, though. You had This had to be organic for you. My
1: mother was very funny. Really? A horrible human being, a terrible <laughs> mother, a drug addict, violent, and drank a lot, mentally ill, but really funny. <laughs> but really, really funny. Did she know she was funny? She yes. She and, and her friend, her neighbor, Sandy Barnett, we they'd, come, they'd be downstairs having coffee, and my brother and I would be on the steps just listening. Because it was just fun. And it was that kind of... <laughs> Irma Bombeck meets Joan Rivers, meets Tody Fields, kind of fun. And it just went on and on. They were, she was brilliant. Wow. Everything else about her was horrendous. But I got that from her.
0: And so when did you start using it? When when did you oh Glenn Farrington is here? Hi, Glenn. <laughs>
1: oh my God. I haven't seen one in a billion years.
0: When um when did you uh when did you say, okay? When did you start using it? Were you, in, were you a little kid in school? Did it get you out of trouble? I mean- As
1: what, a defense mechanism, as a defense mm. mechanism, I was kind of, um, I wouldn't say picked on. Um, I was kind of a misfit. You know, it was like, I was I was uncomfortable at home. I was uncomfortable with school. I was uncomfortable in my own skin. And I would learn to make a joke at my own expense before someone else got there. When did you know you were gay? Tuesday, um, about <laughs> four-ish. <laughs> Four, 4.30? No, someone once asked me that once. I said, when did you know you were going? I said, well, I was blowing this guy. said, wait a minute. This doesn't seem right. (laughs) I am sure this is not, this isn't Susan. (laughs) I don't know. I don't know. I don't have a definitive-
0: When you you were a little kid, did you feel something was different about you? Or did did you have crushes on girls when you were little? Did you? You did, okay.
1: I Um, also wore a poodle skirt. (laughs) so go figure maybe I was a lesbian (laughs) (laughs) oh my god
0: okay so you you didn't get picked on around that um
1: no but I just didn't fit in I just didn't I was one of those kids like a lot of comics I think are Mm
2: -hmm. just
1: didn't fit in anywhere you know Mm -hmm. and I'm trying to know who I just heard oh someone was just some uh celebrity I remember was talking about not fitting in and just finally had to learn to embrace who they were and just being different and not fitting in is a good thing. Mm-hmm. And it took me all through drinking and drugs to get to that.
0: So were you the kid, were you the fun, Were you the funny kid in class? Were you the class clown? Were you, the, were you using your humor there?
1: Not until I got to college. Oh, okay. I was very, um, when I was in school, um, I played a lot of hockey so I didn't have to really talk to anybody. And when I was in elementary school, I was because um, there was so much trouble at home. I was kind of a nervous kid. I was you know, blinking and twitching and frightened, and you know, like that. So I kind of didn't have a whole social circle there. I had nobody to really talked to. So when I when I went away to college, I finally, for some reason, I just opened up.
0: Did you do plays in school and stuff like that?
1: No, I did. I did a camp play. Um, I did two plays in camp. One was A Funny Thing Happened on the Way to the Forum. Oh, my God. Perfect for you. Yeah. And I did, uh, when I was junior high, we were, did Oliver. Oh, well. What, in, in, what the, were you Oliver? The Artful Dodger.
0: I saw it on Broadway with Davy Jones as The Artful Dodger, my first Broadway show. Uh, oh, my God. This that was is your first my, Broadway show?
1: It was my first Broadway show. A my first Broadway show was... Um, your arms too short to box with god by melvin van Peebles. that's Why? a heavy show to start with there's school they took us there we didn't know uh, you, have a bunch, you have a bunch of like 12 year old white kids watching this not knowing <laughs> what the fuck they're talking about but it was broadway you know it was it was broadway
0: yeah um, and that's pretty lofty for a bunch of kids yeah
1: that that's pretty lofty um I had a Broadway theater story. Glenn just
0: said there was literally no one as good as Larry when it came to working a crowd. No one. Thank you, Glenn. Only comic, wait, uh, only comic I would always watch instead of hanging out in the green room or at the bar because every single set was different and
1: hysterical. Coming from Glenn, that's pretty pretty flattering. That's pretty. He's a pretty talented funny guy.
0: He's a pretty funny guy.
1: A very funny guy. Yeah, Wow, wow, that's nice. Um.
0: You were just going to tell me a story, and I interrupted you with. I that, know, and but, I
1: can't remember because this is what happens when you get to get old. Uh, uh,
0: yeah, Paul Paul Williams has a thing where he says twelve seconds, and I ain't waiting.
1: And so you just
0: <laughs> so you, you just go, but you know what? It comes back <laughs> if you let it go. It comes back. It, I, it, I, it, I, it, it, it I know, it
1: just... but um, you know, I told you when I first moved to Palm Springs two years ago, yeah. I'm like the youngest person here. I'm like a twinkie. <laughs> you have no idea. <laughs> I tell my friends, I go at Palm Springs High School, the seniors. Really are seniors. I mean, every, everybody here is like a thousand years old. You know, the Uber has like a siren on the roof; it's an ambulance. It's
0: a, you know, I, I told to you play. I heard, I heard your Palm Springs thing on on another. You have to say it. Oh,
1: I, I, I refer to Palm Springs. It's Gay Hospice, <laughs> where all the old queens come to die. <laughs> if, oh you see, if you see if see a Hawaiian shirt on the sidewalk and there's a body in it, died. <laughs> it's not just he's dead. <laughs> <laughs> it's. But I love it here.
0: Oh, okay, so you do? Why did you I move do. to Palm Springs?
1: All my friends came here. Yeah. And okay. the other reason is, um, um, this is the name drop, but I work with Barry Mandel and I have for a very long time and he lives here. So okay, I was so, kind of, I was commuting ahead. from like Orange County, uh, it was a big drive. A
0: big drive. My mother lived in Palm Springs. She had a house in Palm Springs for 20 years two blocks from Barry and we speed walked past Barry's house every morning. I used to go for a month every January. Really? Barry was legend then. Well he's been a legend forever, but
1: we used yeah, to sure walk is. by and hope we'd catch him. We never did. But no he's he's great. And I mean he's he I mean I, I've been working with him forever. And so
0: let's talk about that. How did that happen?
1: Um he was looking for a I'd say a write a writer, but thing with Barry and I guess a lot of the people that I work with. I like to collaborate. I'm much better talking to someone and bouncing back and forth. I love that, as opposed to just sitting there, you know, no, 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 no. So he was looking for a writer, and um, he was, I think, uh, and he saw one of my tapes on, um, like, I don't know, one of the evening at the Improv or one of uh, Rosie O'Donnell's my stand-up tapes. And the op- he said, he saw the opening joke, and he said, find him. What was the joke? uh the joke was i'm sorry i'm late i just had major surgery i had my mother removed from my back <laughs> and he said find him because it's the sensibility it was the same sensibility
0: tell, tell us how you got to we're, we're going to come back to joan but just tell us the, what have, what got you the gig with joan
1: um i've I, it, it's circuitous um okay when i first started doing stand-up i started just writing i want to be a writer and Joan would buy. I didn't know her. She would buy jokes from people. You know, send fax, fax jokes to her office. Right. And if they liked the joke, they'd send you ten dollars or some some little. And I did that in the beginning, and then I went into stand up. I said I can make more doing it on my own. Oh, you started as a comedy writer. You just, started. I I didn't, want, I didn't want to perform. I wanted to just write. Really. I kind of fell into it. It was. It, um.
0: All right. So wait, tell me that. How did you How did you fall into I that?
1: A friend of mine. I went to college with, said, "Let's take. Do you want to take a comedy writing class?" So I said, "Okay." That Dick Lord, we talked about from the the Catskills. So I took this writing class for comedy. Well, what class. were you
0: what were you doing at the time?
1: I had a job in public relations for an architect.
0: And and what did you think you were going to do at that time? Is that what what did you want to do at that point?
1: I had no goals whatsoever. <laughs> no ambition, no goals. <laughs> I just didn't want to die. <laughs> My goal was leave the house, don't get killed, come home. So I had no no plans, literally no plans. I still don't. I still have no goals. Um, except don't die. So I um my friend, a friend of mine who took this class with me, said let's go audition. You they taught us how to write stand-up. So we called Catch Rising Star and they said you put together like a five-minute set, and on Monday night is audition night, and you go and you stand in the street with 50 other people. And they'll give out 10 numbers the rest will be blanks and if you get a number that's the number you go on that night and it was mixed in with all the regulars so in those right. days you know it was jerry seinfeld i mean it was all the they were big names already. Sure. richard bells was the mc bill maher they were already there right so i got number three i picked number three out of a hat and then as i mentioned um the guy who got number two got hit by a car so i moved up a notch <laughs> <laughs> me huh silver lining so, i did my audition it was a monday that was a big deal and it was packed it was packed
0: hey, wait a minute wait a minute you, before you get to this you wrote some jokes you thought you were going to put together fine. a
1: five minute bit okay five minute routine. And,
0: and did you know how to write a joke before you went into dick lord's class
1: i didn't know how to structurally write a joke but i knew how to basically go from point a to point b to point c Okay. And I the, the routine as best I can remember was about I was gonna say give me give me a piece it was of about this. it was just about Miss Subways. It was a Miss Subways pageant in New York. They used to have Miss Subways. I, oh, I remember and I knew one of them. I knew a girl who had been Miss Subways. And it's like these are the <laughs> girls who aren't good enough to be Miss Gimbals or Miss, <laughs> you know, you move it down the food chain of beauty. You know, it's like she, she has a weak chin, but she's pleasant. <laughs> so they make her a beauty pageant. Um, so I wrote a bit about Miss Subways. <laughs> I, I can't remember exactly how it went. It was that she took it very personally and her whole house looked like a subway station. <laughs> in the bathroom, there's a turnstile, old man loitering in the corner, you know, like that. Like the usual kind of structure stuff. But, and I, and I, for, it was a, a, a full house that night and I remember getting lost halfway through my set. I got confused. So I, I, I just started talking to somebody in the audience. Oh, wow, and, uh, wow. Room. And it went very, very well.
2: Wow!
0: Did you know you could do that until it happened, no. or you you just trust you just went I with? I just panicked. I didn't
1: know what to do. I couldn't you remember. what to. I and I got very lucky that night that Adrian Tolsch was scene. because
2: hmm.
1: she kind of got me where a lot of other people would not have. Wow! And she passed me in the audition and had Rick Newman take a look at me and other people as well, and they said start hanging out. So I started hanging out at the club, and a couple of months later. I decided, I'm, I, I, had six, I had like six months worth of money put away and I decided to quit my job and give it a shot. And a month after that, I got the HBO special. That is just an
0: unbelievable string of you
1: are meant to do this. I think right? so, until I finally oh. myself, but you know.
0: <laughs> well, but that led you to the next thing, so. Everything.
1: It's like we always say, you know, you're where you're supposed to be. There was a, a woman um, in one of my um, program meetings. Who's uh, no longer with us. Mm. And she, she was sober like 1400 years. I mean, she's like the oldest woman <laughs> i ever met. You know, like, like her doctor was Dr. Leakey. I mean, she was that old. And so, but she had this great expression. I saw her speak once. I knew her from Laguna Beach when I was living down there. And I had moved up to Toluca Lake in LA. And I was at a big meeting on Colfax and, oh God, I, you know where it is. I've been there. A speaker <laughs> meeting. It was a big yeah. speaker. So I'm sitting mm-hmm. there. And she comes up and she's dragging oxygen tank with her oh my. and had the little, you know, the little yeah. and, and mind you, we're 85 miles from Laguna. And so she goes, Patty, people are saying to me, Patty, why did you drag yourself 85 miles on a Saturday night with an oxygen tank to speak at a meeting? And she said, well, if I was supposed to be somewhere else, I would be there. And if I was supposed to be doing, to be doing something else, I'd be doing it. I was like, got it. That's all I needed to hear got it so wherever I am now wherever you are now is where we're supposed to be and doing what I'm supposed to be doing absolutely you know and uh, you know it's so funny I mean we're sitting here having a, a fun time on a podcast but if people are listening or 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 laughing or getting something out of it we're being of service to people They're, which they are you you're, you'll I'm just saying, not just laugh right, but you even the conversation, the serious conversation mm-hmm. if somebody takes something away from that Mm-hmm. we would help somebody inadvertently absolutely which is a good thing which is a good thing
0: and and i know it's something that you do take seriously because i know you helped scott
1: help him well, find his way we just you know we just share what's been given to us so freely
0: so okay so let's go back to the bottom so what was the bottom of the bottom that got you to put down the drink and the drug
1: it, is easy. it's easy it's it's a story i've told a million times um in meetings and stuff it was February 20th. Wow. That's specific. That's my daughter's birthday. Yes. Oh, see? Hey. <laughs> well, I have, a, I have an uh, anniversary coming up in, a, in two weeks. Yay! Um, How many years? 34. 30 it's been a long time. Years. Hopefully I'll get there now. You know, if I don't do something <laughs> One stupid. One day at a time. Yeah, thank you. Let's see <laughs> for tonight. I'll be all right. Um, I had gone. I, I told you it was a party, but it wasn't a party. It was some drug dealer I knew in the Upper West Side of Manhattan. And I lived on the East Side. It was cold. It was rainy. It was February. So I get there and mm-hmm. I remember getting there. And the next thing I remember, it's the only time I ever blacked out. I was, I woke up on, on a subway in the Bronx. Oh
2: my.
1: At a place called Mashaloo Parkway. I still Parkway, sure. I still don't know where this is. <laughs> and I wake up <laughs> and, I, and I just remember, I literally... I'm in the same outfit, and I see the guy sitting next to me has the Sunday New York Times. And I immediately thought, well, he must be important. He must know people. He got the Sunday Times on a Friday night. Let's say hello. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe he can help me.
0: Wow. You were passed out. You lost all of Saturday. Wow. And I
1: said, to, I just said, how did you get the Sunday Times on Friday? <laughs> and he goes, it's Sunday night. <laughs> he got up and moved. Oh. And we talk about you know, that moment of clarity. It's like, oh my lord.
0: You had really never passed, you had never blacked out before? I never blacked out. I don't really understand
1: the whole no, thing. No, I never really blacked out. There's a lot of things I don't remember or I don't have, you know, right. that, I wasn't blacked out, but I was completely not present. Um and I went to a phone booth, not out of the, before cell phones. Right. And I called one of my neighbors who had an emergency kit in my apartment, like in New York, like you do. Right. And I said, I'm in the Bronx. I said, this is where I'm in the corner of Meshulah, Mosh- Mosh- whatever it is.
0: Bar- I'm a Bronx girl. We say Mish- yeah.
1: So he came and got me and brought me home, drove up. And, and he said, I'm going to knock on your door tomorrow morning about 10 o'clock. Be, be dressed and ready. I don't know anything. Turns out he was in the program. I had oh, no idea. Get out of here. The person
0: you call is in program and you I did not even
1: know it. I chance. Wow! Right, as we would say.
2: Wow! say so me to a
1: meeting, and I I I've told the story in, in meetings a million times, and it's the first meeting I go to at the Yonhu's Playhouse on Seventy Fourth and First. in This little church, and it's an eleven o'clock in the morning meeting, and it's a bunch of little old ladies. Looks like a quilting bee. I mean, it really does. I'm like, what am I doing in here? And the lady who's leading the meeting starts telling a little old lady tells a story about how she and her husband were in a drunken brawl and she stabbed him to death and went to jail for 28 years. No. First meeting I ever went to.
2: Holy shit. caught oh. my attention.
1: Woke me up in a hurry. But did not did that make you think, oh, well, I don't belong here because I didn't. No, know no, I mean. it, no, actually it didn't. It made me think this could have been a lot worse. I just fell asleep on a train. Mm-hmm. This could have gotten, this really could have gotten out of hand. And, and
0: actually you didn't know what you did. Between Friday night and Sunday night, right? You could have killed her husband on thing, and you wouldn't. Have... Oh, I feel a sitcom
1: I, coming up. I mean? you, you don't know what you did. Not even the perpetrator. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God! No, you're oh, right. I, yes. I assume I just slept because I was in the same clothes, and I had not soiled myself, which is. And awesome. there was no blood on you, so that's a pretty For blood. No fish, nothing.
0: <laughs> that was that. So, okay, so it took from the first meeting?
1: No, um, I never, I've never relapsed or slipped or anything like that. Um, in the beginning, I would just go to a lot of meetings. I didn't get a sponsor right away. I was afraid to do anything. I would just sit in the back and listen. Mm-hmm. But as long as I was in meetings, I wasn't going to go drinking or using cocaine. Right. So I did that. I go to three, four meetings a day. I had nothing else to do. Did you have, uh, <clears throat> did you, you must have had withdrawal
0: if you were, no, you didn't. Okay.
1: Nope. And when I went into the club, like a catch a rising star, I told them, I'm getting sober. Please don't serve me anything. If I ask for anything, don't give it to me. Good one. Because they become unruly, throw me out. But I never asked. Nobody ever had to do that. I think I, I think I was just frightened by that experience.
0: Were, did you, were you cranky? I got, I was very cranky when I stopped. Were you? When I stopped. Yes, I was a pothead. And when I stopped smoking pot, I was not a happy
1: girl. Oh, no. No, no, no. Okay. See, well, see, here's the thing. It's like, I'm not a morning person to begin with. Right. But it turns out I'm not an afternoon person. or an evening person either. <laughs> I have like 20 <laughs> good minutes a day. So those 20 minutes I might have ruined. <laughs> I don't recall being cranky. I, You know, when I was doing all the drugs and the alcohol, I had gotten, um, as one of my managers said, you've gotten, a, you were funny, but you had a, a nasty edge.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And there's a difference between being edgy and being mean.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: I was kind of crossing that line I was walking that line and once I, I cleaned myself up, my humor I was still I still think I was funny but I that part was gone the mean was gone I could still be cunty as anybody but not you know the difference you know the difference I know the difference so you know let's the,
0: talk about Joan now because this because she walked that fine line unbelievably bri- brilliantly um, and a lot of people said, "Oh, she's mean," but I—it I, never felt mean to me. Exactly. I mean, well, my, my, one of my favorites was Elizabeth Taylor goes over to the micro <laughs> and screams, "Harry!" I mean, you know, she, <laughs> she had our stuff, right? But but it wasn't mean spirited. It wasn't mean spirited. It was ridiculous.
1: It, yeah. You know, in a way, because what Joan was doing was, as every stand-up, every actress knows, you, you're, it's a character. Right. even your stand-up is a character right even Gilbert Gottfried rest his soul it was Gilbert was the sweetest man in the world you watch that on saying nah, 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 nah. <laughs> Gilbert was a doll yeah. he was a nice sweet guy you know Joan was not like that at home she was funny but at home Joan was elegant and she was a lady and there was no potty talk none of that it's a character it's an act it's like you know I always you ever see like you know when we see the puppet act Sure. And the puppet's always got the foul mouth. You know, Jeff Dunham's a good guy. What, don't talk that way to these people. Oh, fuck them! <laughs> it's, it's, it's like animation.
0: What's the famous one?
1: Otto and George, right? Otto and George. a Man, were they funny. Were they funny? They. I'm talking like it's two people. They were great. Otto was great. Yeah, but the yeah. puppet is the dirty one. Right. Which, it's the same reason, like, animation. Why an animated character can get away with something a human can't. Because right. it's a cartoon. Right. Joan's character was kind of a cartoon. I see. That makes sense. If you exaggerate it broadly, no mother's really going to tell her daughter to go turn a trick for $9. Joan <laughs> was telling Melissa, yeah, she's kidding. <laughs> it's a cartoon. Did, did
0: you ever give anything to Joan that she said, oh, no? Or, or did she ever say anything that you thought, oh, no, that's
1: going too far?
0: Did, did you guys ever think the other one went too far?
1: No. Um, <laughs> I mean, there was one... <laughs> There was only one joke in one of our books that she couldn't do, that she said, I can't do it, just because she was friendly, had done a benefit for the woman's child recently. And she said, I can't do that. I just did a benefit, a big fundraiser. I can't, I just can't do it. But, I, but and it was not a terrible joke, whatever it was, mm. but, but she couldn't do it. No, I, when I met Joan at um, the Kennedy Center, I was working on the market. Oh, 20. we
0: started to talk about this. Yes. right.
1: I was working on the Mark Twain Prize, and she—it was the year George Carlin got the award posthumously. And I have a story about him too. Um, so, uh, Joe needed a writer when she got to Washington. So mm-hmm. They set up stuff together, and I said I used to write jokes. So she just looked me. She goes, "What makes you laugh?" I said, "The folly of the Holocaust." <laughs> she goes, "What's your phone number?" <laughs> so we started kibitzing back and forth right away and she goes I want you to write with me I said okay I said is anything off limits she goes no I said what about Edgar's suicide she goes I had 20 minutes before they closed the box (laughs) I'm gonna love this one we're gonna have fun and we had fun we had fun
0: oh my god all right so let's talk about Joan so
1: she was great just great did you have a
0: collaboration did you write together did you feed her jokes how did that work
1: all of that, mm-hmm. all of that. Um, if I had ideas for her act, I would just send material over. I'd call the right. office, I'm sending some, you have facts to joke, she was living in 1967.
2: <laughs> say, all right, I'm sending stuff over.
1: Um, when we'd work on books together, we'd get on the phone mm. and have a conversation. What's this gonna be about and, and ideas back and forth. And I would usually take the first pass at it. And I've sent her 20 pages and she sent them back with notes. Not a lot of notes, but always great notes. So those books, you really wrote those books? No, it's, everything's a collaboration. Everything's yeah. a collaboration. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, with Melissa, it's, it's a far more of a collaboration, which she and I work together, because we're kind of 50-50 on that. And um, Melissa is so not what people think. She's funny. Is she
2: funny? I was just going to say, is she funny? Yeah, I mean, I don't is.
1: think of her as funny. No, it's a different, she's more sardonic. It's a very different, sensibility she's mm-hmm. funny she's smart she mm-hmm. is really nice oh good to know Melissa yeah Melissa's great she's Good just, to know. she's great um but Joan was you know uh, it was fun because we uh, I'd want to write something about Anne Frank <laughs> I never had to say is this okay I knew it right. <laughs> give, give us an Anne Frank joke <laughs> oh god we had stuff about um how she was a terrible attitude. She was always whining. I have to go to Auschwitz. I have to go to Auschwitz. No, you get to go to Auschwitz. <laughs> Turn that frown upside down. No one likes a whiner. <laughs> I mean, you can't really do that anywhere, but Joan could.
2: Oh my God. that
1: That's balls to the walls. Boy. Yeah. Is that I mean, balls we, to the we walls? We have a thing in one of the books about, I think it's Diary of a Mad Diva. Where it was, it was a dialogue. It was like calendar entries, uh-huh. November twenty second, and she was saying, um, "The day Kennedy was killed." She said, "I can't believe this day. I'm sitting here having coffee with Lee Harvey Oswald. All of a sudden, he gets up and runs out. I have to go. I have to go. I'm so disgusted with what happened. He left me with the check. <laughs> That's you know, you make the turn. So is oh, that coming? Kind of
0: Lord, how fun is that? Okay." Yeah. So, so you have a real job, like a job, job, you go, you take a class, you learn how to write a joke, you start doing your own stand up. you get, you get MCs, you, you, well, no, not an MC right away, You, you but you're, you're getting spots to catch, right. you're getting the Young Comedian Special. Does the Young Comedian Special open like crazy doors for you? Yes. Yeah. He goes, right, I'm going on the road, I'm going on the road. You're going on the road. And you did like the condos and
1: you did all that. That's all that. when I had to stop because that's when I started getting heavily involved in drinking and drugs. Mm. because again it's not like you're putting and you know you know when, when you go out on the road you don't know who you're booked with they just have two other people right 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 you, you, you may not know them you may not like them they may not like you and for someone like me who internally was like I said I was a misfit mm. and very uncomfortable in my own skin
2: mm.
1: it's hard enough getting up on a stage in front of strangers now I'm with people I don't know and I assume they don't like me so I, I, you know, so
0: these aren't guys. So they're not. Sometimes they're guys that, you know, from New York. I sometimes. Yeah. So, yeah. But
1: still, you know, you're on the road and you're doing uh, on a Thursday night. You're doing you're working for 45 minutes, which right. 23 hours, 15 minutes to get in trouble or do yeah. nothing or get right. depressed
2: mm-hmm.
1: or all of the above. Yeah. Yeah. And it was just I, I realized I'm going to get killed. I'm going to die out here. I was only, I was sitting alone one night in a condo. I can't remember if it was Oklahoma or Indiana or somewhere by myself and it was a blizzard so the show was canceled. I was the other two acts were local or whatever. I am alone in a condo in Tulsa, Oklahoma in the middle of a field Mm -hmm. in a blizzard by myself with nothing to do but drink. Yeah. So I did. Recipe for disaster. It was a recipe for disaster. Yeah. So Um, so, I went back to writing, which was my first love. Okay,
0: so how did you transition? How did you transition at a stand up now? And how did you start getting? Uh, what was your first writing gig after you?
1: Oh gosh, I don't know that I know. I okay. don't know that I know, Vicky.
0: Okay, so one of your early jobs, like, so as you're transitioning into how, like, because Gabe was like faxing, right? He faxed to Politically Incorrect, he faxed right. to, to Letterman, all that kind of. Right. So, did you start doing that when you started writing? What did What did you start doing? Or did you get a job right away? Did you didn't have? No, to-
1: I was. I would get. I started getting. Um, not, I'd say, private jobs but somebody who would see me at, at the clubs and catch working. Right. would just they drop my name. You need for me to help you write a speech, that kind of thing. Okay. I do private, like court, not corporate stuff. Somebody has, can you write remarks for my husband? He's at a bar mitzvah. Uh-huh. $5,000, he has to do 10, whatever. Right. And I was doing that kind of stuff, just in-house kind of stuff.
0: And and, so and stuff. people were dropping your name and so right. one job was leading to another job. Yeah. And yeah. what was your first TV job, writing job? I
1: think it was a pilot for, Joe, for uh, Joy Behar years ago. They came in and they were doing a bunch of pilots. Bill Boggs did one, Joy mm. did one. I can't remember who did the others. I can't remember. But one thing leads to another, and then all of a sudden you're doing, I'm doing this award show, then I'm doing the ESPY award show, then I'm doing that, then I'm doing an honorarium and that sort of stuff, like a lot of one-offs and events.
0: And so, so being a head writer on, oh, for Joy Behar, how, how, are you collaborative, were you collaborative with Joy?
1: Oh yeah, Joy and I have been friends for I know, 40 years, We said that long, oh, my God. yeah we've been friends a long time um yeah I mean work we've done a book together um
0: easy shorthand for the two of you
1: yeah we 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 speak in shorthand
0: when I auditioned to catch Joy was sitting at the bar and was gorgeous to me for the two four six hours I waited
1: uh and she was lovely yeah that was the first time great she's a mention. she's a mention. so the thing about joy is she's not she's never it's funny a lot of the women uh, more so than the men the women tend not to be competitive with mm-hmm. each other at least not in my experience
2: mm-hmm.
1: you know they weren't they were they, rita rudder was not a competitive
2: mm-hmm.
1: uh, joy was not competitive Susie s was not competitive right. they do what they do mm-hmm. and, and they're for, also completely unique that this... every one of them they're all different
2: mm-hmm.
1: and they had their own voice
2: mm-hmm. you know
1: whereas the guys will cut each other's balls all to get ahead <laughs> <laughs> no problem. And it wasn't like that, you know. It was just interesting. You how know? about how about working for Rosie? What was that like? She's great. I can't believe that show went from zero to to a hit in thirty minutes. I never. She was so good. Yeah. You know, it, it's a brand new show. Nobody. She's changing the face of daytime TV. She did. And you've gone. How, how the fuck? She was just that good she was mm-hmm. what people don't realize about rosie is she's really smart
2: mm-hmm.
1: yeah rosie was great rosie was uh i mean she literally changed the dynamic of television mm-hmm. she did you know and then and when joy got the view that was so but, it,
0: but it went south i don't even remember what happened but it went south for her i don't know why it went south why did it go south for her it just
1: ran its course mm. like a lot of shows i think mean, it's just you know, mm-hmm. and like I've been saying, Ellen was a terrible person. I don't know Ellen; I've never met her. The show was on the air for a long time. It kind of probably just ran its course. You know, I mean. Well. I, again, I don't know Ellen. I
0: ever. know a lot of hairdressers that got fired. I know a lot of people that
1: got yeah. fired from. Yeah, you know, a lot of. People. I know. I didn't know. I don't. How, know
0: how was and a lot of write a
1: lot of writers.
0: How how was Rosie to the staff?
1: Good. I had no issues. I mean, mm-hmm. she was always. You know, it, it's funny she. She wasn't involved with the staff that much. You know, there was difficulty with directors, that I will say, she, you know, but she knew what she wanted and she wasn't wrong. Mm-hmm.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: You know, if you say, oh, this is what I want, this is what I need. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, it, it would be different if you have somebody who has no idea what they're talking about, barking out orders. Rosie knew camera, she knew everything. Um, but, you know, she'd deal with the, with the writers primarily, you know, and the rest of you, people, they're doing their jobs, just every... You know you're someone has segment one. who's the segment producer for segment one? and that's who should focus with you know it's right. It's like you know friends of mine they say, geez, does Letterman write his own material? And I'm thinking with what time do you <laughs> see this happening? Speaking
0: of that, you know Adrian was actually responsible for for Gabe getting Letterman because he really was on, they were on a gig together. And he was, fat. he was, fa- everybody fax jokes. And he was, he had been faxing to Politically Incorrect. And he got a, um, he got, uh, what is it called? When you get, uh, when they hire you to be on uh, Retainer. He was on Retainer, yes. He was on Retainer for Politically Incorrect. And, and then he got a job on political, but then Bill got can't, anyway. But, but anyway, so when he was on a gig with Adrian, uh, he had done Politically Incorrect. And she said, well, let me, Let me talk to Bill about you, and she did. And then it just so happened that Bill decided to write a book and leave his gig as head monologue. So Gabe started faxing, and then he became got on retainer. And then Bill decided to go write his book, and he recommended Gabe, and Gabe ended up taking his job for four years. But um, it was all all because of that one night doing stand up with Adrian.
1: Isn't it amazing how this works? Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, you know, the night I spent with Rob Lowe in a hotel. <laughs> 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 oh, my Lord. I just want to drop that in there as a joke.
0: <laughs> so, so, Larry, so, okay. of the, so, so talk about Barry. You've been with Barry for like for 30 years, 30 years. Okay. So what is that like? What? how often are you writing are, are you writing material every night no it's not what it's not
1: it? it's 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 morphed into a lot more than that um, what is it kind of his i'd say sounding board creative he's always had a, like a creative team with him okay and over time people have laughed or passed on or whatever um i know his show i know his music i know him cold
0: did and you know? Did you know him like that before? When you
1: I did, knew all the music. I you know. was a big heavy metal fan. <laughs> the night I, the day I met him, um, when I got to, the house, he said, he's familiar with my music. I said, I can sing everything badly. What do you want to hear? <laughs> I, he, was my, he was like my favorite singer, so I knew all of it. <laughs> and when he said, "Do you know this song?" It's like, yeah. <laughs> so and you know, so I watched him a little, and they brought me on the road. So, I mean, the first gig I went with him on was the Desert Inn. What, what
0: did he say to you? What, did you? what did you think the gig was when you st- I mean, did
1: you think you're going to write jokes? What did you- think, what I, do. I was In the beginning, I was starting to just write jokes for the act. Okay. But over time, it's become so much- It's hard to describe. I'm kind of his creative eyes on the floor. Because I have no musical aptitude at all, and I don't. <laughs> um, I can't read music. I can't sing. I don't understand the difference between a high C and an F my F my. I don't know any of it. He'll, I have no idea what they're talking about. But like remember Fred Silver was the head of ABC TV sure. and he kept putting hits on the air. He knew nothing about anything, but he, he, he was the audience member who knew what they wanted. Mm-hmm. I, I'm an audience member who obviously has a skill set here,
2: yes. but
1: I see what they see. Right. I don't see it through the jaded eyes of a musician or a producer. I say, that doesn't work. And you can tell me why. And I'll say, this is why I don't think that works. And this would be better. So you're, you're even talking about music decisions as well. Yeah. But again, everything I do with him, I can't tell you what a privilege this has been to work with him. I mean, he's become one of my best friends. Oh. And he's, he's just great. He's just great. And he's as good. The amazing thing is, I mean, they're honoring him at Carnegie Hall on May 1st in this big thing. Um, with the New York City Pops, it's a huge, huge. I event. saw.
0: Isn't Betty Buckley? Is Betty Buckley singing? Betty Buckley is I gonna be. Betty.
1: Yeah, and a whole bunch of charros coming in to sing. Coping a band. It's gonna be great. Um, but here's a guy who literally lives and breathes music. That's. All, it's, I'm telling you, it's like he has no outside interest. This is kind of what he does. It's the way his brain works. And when you see that, it's like comedy people. Our brain works a different way you know,
0: well, I don't include me in that because I'm not one. Um, of, no, I mean, no. You
1: know I mean, you know what yes, I mean? Yes, I know what you mean. You know, so I, I know mean, what you mean. So, i a good time at a funeral. I, you know, in fact, I try to.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so, so you, I, I get it. I get it. You, I get it. You, you, you just know you have know. good instinct. You have good instincts. You have a good eye. You have a sense for what's going on. Well, you know, and he I, trusts you.
1: Yeah, I'm. I, I've got it. It's like you said. If somebody, I've got your back.
2: Mm-hmm. I got your back. Mm-hmm.
1: And you know, and uh, we think alike comedically. You know, because uh, when when we're when we're writing together and it, we write together, it's not like I'm sending stuff. We'll go oh, back nice. and forth like I'm talking to you, and I'll say something and he'll say something and I'll say something and he'll say something and we got it.
0: Can you give us a Barry Manilow joke? No,
1: I can't. I okay, can.
0: okay. You
1: have to come see the show.
0: Okay, I want okay. to. Melanie Taylor, my friend Melanie's in. The- oh, yeah. I, I love, love that. Melanie. That's so cool. How do you know Melanie? I know, I know Melanie because her, because Terry sang in my li- played in my living room. And so her that's husband? how I. Yes, her husband, Terry.
1: Why did he sing in your living room?
0: Because I used to have uh, shows in my living room until COVID and everybody sang in my living room. Yeah, the monkeys and the turtles. Yeah, everybody sang in my living Flo room. Flo and Eddie? Yes. Ed, well, Flo. And yeah. Eddie gone. Uh no. Uh they're both still, they're both still with us. Um, but hey, Howard hey. Howard Kalen, who was the voice of the turtles, yes, he sang what? in my living room. Yes. And uh so uh Earth, Wind and Fire played in my living room. Don't ask. And it was crazy. All three Larry, of them? <laughs> just, just fire. <laughs> <laughs> it was it was kind of like that, Larry Dunn. But but anyway, so Terry and Melanie came to my living room and, and um, uh, but she's wonderful. She she's can.
1: great, beyond talented. And they're the two of the greatest people. They they're absolutely fantastic. are. A Terry's music couple. is wonderful and I try to see them when I can. They're great.
0: So, so your life now, do you go to meetings still?
1: You bet. You bet I go to meetings all the time. Um,
0: do you go to live meetings? Because I, I do everything on Zoom. No I've started when I got out here yeah. because
1: fear, out here everybody who's gonna die is gonna die already <laughs> just old uh, no I got I have a couple of home groups I go to here and um I have a lot of friends here who you know keep me on the straight and narrow sober path um
0: I'm gonna have to check with you because I know a few men live there who meeting and we'll see if they okay maybe All right. yeah.
1: no but it's 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 um I've always kind of followed ever since I got sober I followed my sobriety it's like after Joy's show ended. I went back to literally to Laguna Niguel in Orange County as opposed to LA because that's where I had been living and that's where my meetings were and that's where my my posse was so I went back to Orange County right away Minute the show was over I just went right back home to my safety net that's kind of how I do it you know
0: and so did the people you go to Palm Springs you said you have friends in Palm Springs It, it is your posse sober for the most part
1: yeah. But, but by chance you know mm-hmm. it's just it's not like i seek out people who don't just by the dint of my life mm-hmm. most of the people i'm in contact with and again at a certain age i mean you don't meet you don't meet a lot of old junkies because they don't oh. live that long. You, know, <laughs> you don't see some meth head on the corner like you know they're long gone <laughs> so most people you know at a certain age if you're still alive and you, you're not an alcoholic you're just having cocktails. You're just an old queen having cocktails have a good night you know it's just you know. oh my
0: god so larry um i the thing that i had in my living room was based on it was basically a li- literary salon is how it started i had writers and so a lot of writers so like carl reiner came with his book and gary Marshall. i saw and that was,
1: picture I, like my god
0: i know it was crazy so you so how did this book writing thing because that's like, like I wrote a book and I had no I training and no skill. How did, how did that, I, did, I was, was going to ask you, how did you come up with that idea to do that? You know, so brilliant. actually it happened because Gabe lost his gig at Letterman after 9-11 and I was so, it changed our life so much that I started writing a rant and he said, you know, you might want to keep writing. And it, that's, it all started from a rant. Um. So how, how did you... How did you know? Are you trained to write books? Because I was not no, trained. No, I mean, I
1: have a degree in journalism, but no, I'm not trained. Uh,
0: well, books. a degree in journalism, that's, where did you go to school? Uh,
1: University of Buffalo.
0: Okay, that's a pretty big thing, a degree in journalism. So you were already writing. I,
1: I knew words. <laughs> <laughs> I had a lot of words.
0: So how, how, how did the first book have, was the first collaboration with Joan? How did it happen?
1: Uh, no, the first, geez, the first thing I did, and I don't know how it came to be, was, um, believe it or not, an, an illustrated parody about Bill Clinton and Monica Lewinsky that I wrote with Judith Regan, the publisher. Wow, I, I,
0: I just went to the Ivy for lunch on Friday for the first time in 30 years, and the last time I was there, Monica Lewinsky was there that's just weird all right wait really so, so so
1: did she purge or did she swallow she,
0: she was she is. was sitting behind Callista Flockhart. i swear to god you can't write this and it was one,
1: yeah wait one woman who only swallows and one woman who doesn't swallow anything
0: exactly, <laughs> exactly. oh, oh my, god. my god so wait so wait tell me about this book what was this
1: it was i can't remember the name of it it was the real story was like it was there was okay, Miss Illustrator. Bill Plimpton illustrated this book. It was right after the Clinton Lewinsky thing.
0: But how did you get how did you get I don't know. Story? I got a
1: call, got a call from Judith Regan. I don't know. And how did she know to call? She was, I don't know. Judith Regan was huge. I don't know. I don't know. Um, okay. you know, the first celebrity I ever wrote with or for was Peter Allen. Wow. And I have no idea how he got my name. I was literally on the Upper East Side, or somewhere in the early 80s, mid-80s. And my, I got a message. We answering machines, and it was a highlight Larry. He just is <laughs> out and Call me. Oh, okay. So I called him. He wanted some material for his act.
2: Wow. Yeah,
1: really funny. yeah.
0: Tell us some more fun people that you did that for.
1: Oh boy. Um, well, one of the, one of the great, one of the things I'm actually proud of is I've done some work with Jane Fonda. Which is, you know, great.
0: I heard you mention that. What did you do with Jane?
1: A couple of things. Um, She called me once out of the blue. um, How did
0: she call you once?
1: (laughs) She probably got my name from Rosie. I don't know. Um, Okay. She was living in Atlanta. She was no longer married to Ted Turner, but they were still friends. Mm -hmm. And she does a big charity thing every year to raise money for one of the foundations she's on. And they decided one year they're going to roast her. Mm -hmm. And she did somebody who could write a roast who's funny but not mean. So I get a phone call. I mean, I still have the message. I still, you know, it's a hey, Larry Jane Fonda. Game. So I went. I flew down to Atlanta and wrote this, and it was a lot of heavy hitters. I mean, it was you know Debbie Reynolds and Carrie Fisher and Ted Turner. Was it was a lot? It was a big deal. I'm singing I can't
2: hear you.
0: Sorry, I, I accidentally hit the thing. Talk about funny, Debbie Reynolds, maybe one of the funniest women. She was that really has. funny. She was filthy and funny. Bet. Oh my God. Did you ever work with her? I didn't, but I was at a book fair and she was talking to me and I I was, I was crying. She was so funny (laughs) and filthy. She
1: was filthy. filthy. Dirty, 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 (laughs) dirty girl.
0: (laughs) So wait, so you're doing this thing for Jane and all these like incredible people.
1: Right. And here's how great Jane was. It's like, you just, she's the real deal. She drives a Prius and she says, well, tomorrow night, the event was like three nights later. She goes, I'm going to go to the Braves game. Do you want to go? I'm going with my daughter, my son, or my grandkids. I go, sure. She picks me up to the hotel in a Prius.
2: I love it. She's driving
1: herself. Yeah. We're going to meet. We stopped and picked up her daughter and granddaughter and met her son at the stadium. We get to the back gate of Turner Field. And this she she rolls on and she goes, Hi, uh, I used to be married to Mr. Turner. (laughs) You'll probably have my name on the list that humble I and mean, they go wow so she has like six seats right next to the dugout right so all of a sudden, you know i'm sitting with with you know vanessa's kids and chipper jones comes over and he's talking to her and it's like dale murphy and all these hall of famers and I was like,
2: right oh my
1: God. And we had a great time and every now and then and we're still in touch you know right i worked on something with uh she and lily last year and you know I, we're, we're in touch and i work every now and then i'll do something for her but she's so great, and so kind, and so nice, and so smart, and really funny. Is she? She's great.
0: See, now, I wouldn't think that. I would think she takes herself kind of seriously. I'm happy to hear
1: that. She's, a, she's an absolute doll. I'm happy to hear Me that. Me too. You know, one of those people, you know, they seem like they're bigger than life because, of, yeah. the, you know, the, the world they've created. Yeah. Right. That's, That's, that. I think, you know, we're sitting here talking like on a, on a not on a program note, but on a a spiritual human level, Mm -hmm. the best part of all of this that we do, I have gotten to meet and know some of the greatest people in the world. And I'm not just the people who are famous, I'm just people, I've worked with so many, just writers and and decent, kind people. And it's like, really lucky. I mean, for someone who had no goals and no ambition, (laughs) it's turned out all right.
0: Did your mom get to see you have success?
1: Well, she came to my stand-up show one night. She was drunk and wet herself in the middle of the audience and at home. So technically, yes. <laughs> technically, yes.
0: I mean, did she get to meet Joan Rivers?
1: No, she was long. No. Uh, no, none of them did. None of them did. Mm-hmm. Um, my my friends have. Um, mm-hmm. you know, my friends will occasionally come to the show, see Barry or whatever, they come to meet Joan. But I try, you know, it's, I always try to be respectful of the people that I'm, because I, I, I guess you're the same in a way in that I tend to become friends with the people I work with a lot. Absolutely. You, you know, Absolutely. you develop that kind of a relationship and mm-hmm. I don't want to take advantage of it in any way, shape or form. I kind of respect other people's space, you know? You, you know, it's so, it's, it's, people, after Paul Williams did my show last week, like, two you guys,
0: know. like he, he's he's the greatest guy and he's one of us. And he's very out there, he's very outspoken about it. And um, about 10 different guys wrote me. He said, would you introduce me to Paul Williams? And it's like, I don't do that. I right. don't take it, you know, I I don't put but it just so happened Paul was coming to my house for dinner the next night. And I said, This guy wrote me and he and Paul's so nice, he said, forward me the thing and I'll talk to him. So that guy got lucky. And wow. it just happened that way. But I don't do that, I don't do that kind of thing because I don't take advantage of the friendships and That's why they stay friendships. That's why people that I work with become friends because don't take advantage of those situations. But Larry, you have, oh, um, I was going to tell you about a little about Joan with me. Somebody gave me her number when I had my literary salon. I used to do it by Coastly. Susie Esman did it in New York and and, uh, love Susie. And uh, I wanted Joan to do it. Your book with her came out. I don't know. It was about, I don't know, six, no, more than that seven eight years ago nine years ago first one was
1: um i hate everyone starting with me
0: and and what year was that 2013 okay so that's when it was and so or no wait what year did joan die uh
1: 2014 no that had come up before no joan died in 2014 so diary of a Mad diva came out in 2013 okay so it was the last book it was it was the
0: one before and somebody gave me her number I called she picks up the phone I don't expect she's gonna pick up the phone and I'm gonna have and have and, have and, have and, have. and I said <laughs> I have this little thing and, and people come to my and she's she was loving me. and she said yes I you know I I will do that and uh by the time I called her you know it was like a month later she was gone mm. and um but she was like yeah she was like okay
1: she would, she would. yeah I'm telling you, she she I've never met anyone who enjoyed being famous more.
0: Oh. Do you do you know you must know all the inside stories and all the shit with 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 Johnny and with
1: all that crap? That I only went know down. her side of the story. I only know her side of the story because I, I never met Johnny. Mm-hmm. So I know what she said. And you know it's, I just tell us of what she said. There's still some question about what happened. You know, Fox offered them a series. Right. And there was apparently, which there's actually a play being developed now called Joan, written by D- Danny Goldstein that I'm, I'm kind of serving as a punch-up guy on. Wow! At Mills, through Mills Entertainment. Um, it's a theatrical, it's a play. And there was a list when Johnny, remember he had gone out like three days a week? Mm-hmm. Maybe, sure. Right. And they were looking to replace him. Even though he's Johnny Carson, they're looking to replace him. And there was a list of people, possible replacements. And Joan, who was his permanent guest host, her name was not on the list. Wow. Wow. So apparently either Edgar saw that or somehow, and they realized an offer came in, you're never gonna get that job.
2: Wow. Wow. Yeah. And
0: then he felt like she betrayed him.
1: He said he didn't know about the list, which of course I can't, I can't imagine that.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: I mean, I've, I've never yet worked in any job in any capacity any even when i was working for the architect where the people at the top of the food chain had no idea what was going on of course when it's a big decision they know it's like you know i look at they say well donald trump didn't know of course he did he signed (laughs) checks of course he did he's the head of the company they're not selling shit without his okay you know so
0: without his edict in his case yeah
1: Yeah. everything you clear nobody does anything on their own they don't have a job exactly
0: okay so you've written all these books with all these amazing people you're still writing you're writing with you're writing
1: one with melissa now did you say yes we're starting a new book um the, the working title is a Gu- the, uh, guide for the em- for the empty nester because our son's away at college and it's and funny you know, you know you know what it is then we'll talk to you i guarantee i'll be talking to
0: <laughs> so um, now wait so <laughs> so Okay, so this is a collaborative process. You do about 50-50 with Melissa. Yes. Do you, are you ever in the same room? Is everything yes. done? You are.
1: Yeah, well, we, well, we'll normally get on the phone uh, for like two hours at a time. Right. And we'll go back and forth and we'll go back and forth and we'll write it all down, type it all out. And then we'll reconnect. We'll, we'll I'll write something, she'll write something, we'll get back on the phone. And then I'll usually go out to the house for a day. And then okay, like,
0: so and now I'm, I want to know when Larry Amoros is writing
2: well,
1: I'm working no, on a no. book, on my, I'm working on something myself, but my agent has no interest in it, so <laughs> none, nothing, <laughs> zero. Isn't um, that the way? Yeah, he goes, I don't think I can I'm not famous, so, you know, if, if I if I attach somebody's name to it, it's, I write, what I like to think of, is, see, you read a novel, I I can't, I can't do that.
0: It's a fictionalized memoir, it's, I know, but it's a memoir, basically, memoir.
1: yeah. Right, okay. but I can't, I write short, I write essays. Right. I, my goal is to, I only write things you can read on the toilet. <laughs> you can read a chapter flush and go back to your television. That's all this about. So I write essays. So this is basically called Musings of a Sour Puss.
2: <laughs> I love it. I love
1: it. I'm working on that on my own time and, you know, and I'll see when I get done with all the other stuff where it goes. But I, I you know, I write every week, I write something, write another essay about it was bothering me at that moment. You know, I mean. Did you ever? I used to do that for the Huffington Post. Did you? Did you write stuff for the? For, I, I started. I did. I started writing. Um, Amy Wagner, who's now on MSNBC, Alex mm-hmm. Wagner MSNBC was in charge mm-hmm. of something,
2: mm-hmm.
1: and I wrote a very funny uh, thing for them. Um, I can't forget who what it was. It was a political thing, and I, I started doing that. And then I got the job, with joy. But that's CNN even though HLN is a subsidiary, so I wasn't allowed to do it. It's contract contraction. Uh, right, right, right. I don't, well, you know, when, when you go to, so to all these people who keep saying, you know, that, oh, CNN, it's rigged. It's <laughs> it's not, I work there. They vet everything. Anything you write that's political, or they see it as a conflict of interest with the news department, you can't do. Joy was entertainment, but there were parameters. I see. I couldn't write for the Huffington Post. I couldn't do that. I couldn't, while well, I was doing that. I see. So I, I couldn't, I couldn't do it.
0: Well, I sure look forward to uh, your the musings
1: of a wild, wait, what, musings uh, musings of a sourpuss. <laughs> what's your next thing? What do what you What do you doing next? We've heard about me.
2: <laughs> no, not going
1: on, Vicky. Tell me. You no,
0: know, the thing is, for me, Larry, I love doing this. You're right at it. I, oh, thank you. I, I don't make shit. I get annoyed by Facebook. They take down my shows, and I just keep doing it anyway.
1: Well, what do we What do we do about that? That's not okay.
0: It, it sucks so bad, but but actually, I am actually going to write a column. I haven't I used to write a lot of columns. I haven't written a column in a long time, and I'm, mm-hmm. I'm itching. I need I need to. I don't know where I'm going to put it because none of the editors I used to work with are around anymore. But, but a medium, um, medium.
1: Hmm. It's a it's a great uh, you know yeah. medium.
0: I, I know of it. I've never published there.
1: No, but it's a great it's a great a great site for writers. Hmm.
0: I have to I have to look. I, I have one in my brain. So I'm, I'm, I think I have to do it. I've been threatening for a long time. So I, I, yeah. had, I had a lot of fun and a lot of, I, I did, it was good for me when I did it for a few years. It was good. We'll go back yeah. to it. You have time. Yeah, Yeah.
1: no shit. <laughs> <laughs> By the way, does my face look like gigantic and red? No. <laughs> I'm looking in this face and all of a sudden i like, I look like I'm like a, like like I belong in a circus. You to... do not. You look handsome and fabulous.
0: All right, so listen. I want to come out to Palm Springs. I want to go out to lunch with you. I want to. Anytime go to lunch. you let me know. And we're definitely. You know, my boyfriend is a composer and TV composer and everything. And no. Yeah, he wrote the theme to The West Wing and won an Emmy, and he wrote millions. He wrote under. Really. TV of compositions yeah yeah so and so anyway we're gonna come I want I want us to come and see Barry Mantle. he's also friends with Melanie and Terry we're gonna come we got to come to
1: a to a Barry concert we have to do it well I mean he's in Vegas all the time now
0: yeah we're gonna come we're gonna come to Vegas we're gonna come to. let me, Vegas. Let me
1: know or let Melanie know and you must we'll absolutely we'll have to get we'll the, yeah. the pepper mill what's the You're, pepper mill oh my god it is a 24-hour diner it That's- is the cheesiest most fabulous place in Las Vegas it's like all the women who are too old to be showgirls now work wait tables there you know they're 80 their tits are on the floor but they're wearing glitter and huge portions cheap slot machine. it's fantastic my god that's where I want
0: to go okay we'll have to go
1: Okay. okay
0: okay I'm contacting you we're coming to Vegas I Larry this has been so much fun for me that I can't I I, I, my cheeks hurt from, from smiling and laughing.
1: Me too, this is great. I'm so glad. Thank you for asking me to do this. It was a a delight, a joy. I I really, no Joy Behar, but just, (laughs) but, but I, I absolutely adore you.
0: You are just hysterical, but, but your, your essence is so warm and beautiful. You're just a beautiful soul.
1: I feel it all. Thanks. I'm going to go, I'm going to go let the kids out of the trunk of the car now. (laughs)
2: I'm going to be in touch soon. We're going to do okay.
1: that. Absolutely. Thanks, Vicky.
2: Thank you.